Welcome back, everybody, to the I'm Open Podcast. We have got so much to discuss today. We're really fired up. We're going to give you the hottest, scorching hot take on LeBron James that you've never heard before. We're going to be telling you a great new idea to keep older athletes occupied. And we're going to tell you where Roger Goodell, the commissioner of the NFL, should move to. I think we found a perfect place for him to live. All coming up next on the I'm Open Podcast. Now, unfortunately, our first stop today takes us to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I'm not saying it's unfortunate to be in Milwaukee, because I'm sure it is a great place, but it is unfortunate what happened there. And this actually happened a while ago, but it was just released this past week. Milwaukee Bucks rookie Sterling Brown was parked in a handicapped spot. It was very late at night, and when he came back to his car, there were police waiting for him at the car. And rather than just give him a ticket like you normally would get for parking in a handicapped spot, they threw him down onto the pavement and tased him several times. Now, this video has just come out in the past week. Actually, the Milwaukee Police Department released the video themselves, and they have apologized. But this brings to light the reason that a lot of, you know, NFL players were demonstrating last year. And that, you know... To, to raise awareness for the fact that this, this is still so prevalent in our country. Now, if this was not a professional athlete, nobody would have apologized. There's a good chance the footage never would have been released. But because Sterling Brown can afford a good lawyer, now there's apologies, now there's public statements, now they're releasing a video, and now they're talking about transparency. You know, you could really see through it. You could see through it because the man was still tased. Okay, he parked in a handicapped spot. First of all, that's not even something you go to jail for, so it's unclear why he even needed to get handcuffed just for parking in a handicapped spot, okay? This is something where the aggression from law enforcement towards black people, especially black males, for no reason, escalating situations for no reason other than fear, basically, fear and prejudice inside of themselves. And this country is supposed to have these things that are called laws. I know it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy to think about sometimes. But this entire country is based on uh, these sort of, you know, rules, as it were, and we like to call them laws. And they help us, um, let me think of how to try to explain it. They help us keep everything in control. And then, so when things happen, when people do things, right, that are against the law, there is a procedure about how to handle it, right? But now, you know, I'm starting to wonder more and more if these laws are real or if they're just a farce. Because parking in a handicapped spot is definitely not an offense that is worth getting harassed and physically abused, tased, and thrown onto the ground. But this isn't just a one-time thing. This is something that happens every single day in major cities all across the United States and, you know, everywhere across the United States. So I'm glad that Sterling Brown's video came out. I'm glad that he's spoken up about this. And I'm, you know, I'm glad that they're apologizing, I guess, but it just, it's hard to feel like these words aren't empty when you know that this stuff is going on all the time. So things are really just out of hand, and it makes me very sad. It makes me very, very sad. The NFL has just announced that for this upcoming season, players and or teams will be fined if there's any sort of demonstration, any sort of 
protest by the players. Players must show full respect for the flag. Now, these players obviously have a point to their demonstrations. It's not every single player who's been demonstrating and, and taking a knee during the anthem or linking arms. There's been a variety of different ways players have demonstrated, and not all players have done so. But obviously, the problem that they are trying to address is still as prevalent as ever. And instead of listening to these guys, which the NFL said it was going to be willing to do, no, they're just trying to silence them. They're just trying to silence them. And this is just another instance in which NFL owners, they say they care about them. They say they care about their families. They say they care about their health. Meanwhile, they are clearly putting the bottom line above the livelihood of these players. Everybody's allowed to have a voice in politics and society. And these athletes have a huge platform. And they have a responsibility that many of them have taken on to share how they feel and to share their own perspective. Now, Colin Kaepernick really started this movement in the NFL with his kneeling. He was later joined by several other athletes in the NFL. Colin has still not received any job, has not been offered to join any team, even though he took his team, the San Francisco 49ers, to the Super Bowl. It's just shameful that the NFL's owners have forced these men to basically give up their right to having an opinion if they want to have a job. I think that's the important thing to remember. They own the teams. They do not own the players. found a really incredible new destination for Roger Goodell, who happens to be the commissioner of the NFL, and for a lot of these owners and a lot of these folks who agree with him. And that is North Korea. You know, I was doing a little research on it, and I think he would love it. Because, you know, in North Korea, people get sent to labor camps if they don't show proper respect for the patriotic symbols of the country. And I was like, wow, this is perfect for a lot of these folks who are so upset about people not standing during the national anthem. This is perfect for them. They might like to move to North Korea, where you have to wake up every morning at 5.30 in the morning to listen to a wake-up call full of patriotic songs and patriotic speeches every single morning. That might be perfect for them, because that sounds like the kind of country they'd like to live in. Patriotism is when you love your country, right? And nationalism is when you believe that your country can do no wrong. And we're getting a little too close. We're getting a little too close to the latter, okay? Here's a good example. I love the New York Giants. So I'm like a patriotic for the New York Giants. I'm a fan of the New York Giants, right? But I don't have nationalistic tendencies for the New York Giants, and I'll explain why. If the Giants suck, if the Giants are doing something terrible, if they're not playing well, if they trade their best players, like last season they had a terrible season, I wasn't just blindly assuming that they were the best and saying they were perfect and there was nothing wrong. No, I hold my team to a higher standard, and I want them to win championships, and I'm sure all my other sports fans out there feel the same way. You have high expectations for your team. If they're shitty, you're not happy about it. You don't just blindly say, no, shut up, my team's the best no matter what. No, if your team's losing every game, you're frustrated about it, right? And you expect the best. You expect championships 
from your team. That's how I feel about my country. I love my country and I expect the best from my country, okay? That doesn't mean no matter what, I assume my country is the best. That means I hold my country to a higher standard to achieve the best, though we have not been able to do so lately. And I think people are really starting to blur the line and it gets very dangerous when you think your country or where you think your leader can do no wrong. That's very dangerous. In North Korea as well, folks aren't allowed to have art on their wall. You're only allowed to have, and not just allowed, you're required to have photographs, portraits of Kim Jong-il, the father of Kim Jong-un, who's the current uh, leader of North Korea, and his father, Kim Il-sung. So you're required to have photos of both of those gentlemen displayed prominently in your house, and you're not allowed to have any art around to make sure you show proper respect. This, you know, I know it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but this is the path we're on. This is the path we're on if people are getting punished for not properly respecting the patriotic symbols of their country. This is the path we're on. Now, we've all watched a lot of games with the national anthem playing before. We've seen people picking their nose, shifting back and forth, not having their hands above their chest. We've seen people react to the national anthem in all sorts of different ways. Now, none of them were fined. I've never seen a guy who, who picks his nose or scratches his hair get fined for doing that during the national anthem. And how about fans? How about the fans? Do you stop when you're watching your game on TV? Do you stop? and stand in silence in your living room and put your hand over your chest and take off your hat in your in your living room and put and put down your Coors Light and stand at attention for the national anthem while it's playing on TV? I don't think so. I don't think you do. And if you do, congratulations. But that still should not be legally enforceable to other individuals in this country. We can't have freedom of speech only exist for some people and not others. So our next topic brings us to Washington, D.C., but luckily it's not the White House. It's a little more lighthearted. That's with Wayne Rooney, who's a superstar of British soccer and of world soccer. He is now getting up there in years, and he plays for Everton. And there is some rumblings out there. There are some rumors that Rooney is thinking about joining the DC United of the MLS, that Wayne Rooney is thinking about coming to the MLS. Now, he's not the first one to do this. Of course, David Beckham, it was very exciting when he came over and played for the LA Galaxy. David Villa from Spain plays in New York for New York FC. Giovanni Dos Santos, who's a great player for Mexico, plays for the LA Galaxy. Kaká plays for Orlando. He's one of the great players from Brazil from this past generation. So Wayne Rooney is not the first one to do this. But it is cool and it is exciting that there's this new trend of European soccer stars and South American, just the best the best players in the world, when they retire or when they're thinking of retiring, they decide to instead move to United States and just extend their careers a couple years by playing in the MLS where the talent is a little bit lower, talent level is a little bit lower, but they still get to have big crowds, they get to enjoy life here in the United States, and they get to help spread soccer around the world, especially for a lot of fans who have gotten to know them playing FIFA with them for years and watching them play for these different teams, Real Madrid, Manchester United, Barcelona. So it's really exciting, even if it's in their older years, to have these guys come over and join the MLS. And I think that this is what the MLS really has to double down on 
to make themselves successful. People are not obsessed with soccer in the United States like they are in other countries around the world. They're just not. It's growing. So many people play soccer. I think soccer is the most popular youth sport for, for young kids in terms of number of people playing. But people also love basketball. People also love football, hockey, baseball, t tennis, obviously golf. There's so many other sports. There's so many other sports that people are into. And soccer, even though it's really growing, even though people really love it, it's hard to imagine that soccer would be the number one biggest sport in the United States in terms of popularity. But that doesn't mean that Americans don't love soccer. Americans love to play FIFA. And Americans love to watch the best soccer in the world, which occurs in Europe. So it's really exciting to think of the MLS as the sort of senior tour for soccer. And I think that's the way they need to brand themselves and sell themselves, to try to recruit all the best players in the world when they're starting to get up there in years, when they're starting to get a little bit slower and a little bit less flexible and athletic, come over to the MLS. All of the stars that you got to watch when you were a kid or all the stars that you got to watch in their prime now can come over, enjoy life in the United States, and be superstars again. Almost feel like they're back in their prime again. The one sport that already kind of has this model is golf where they have the senior tour, and that, that is for players who are only over 50 only. So all the players are a little bit older, they still can compete with folks on their own level, and some folks li really like to watch it. The MLS could sort of become like the senior tour of soccer, and I think that would be a really great place for great way for these stars to keep extending their careers and keep spreading their, their love and their sporting talents to more fans to see in person. It would be really cool, honestly, if more sports started to have senior tours as well. Basketball has kind of already started to do this with the Big Three League, which Ice Cube helped start and kick off, and that's only three-on-three -three basketball instead of full five-on-five, -five, but that includes teams of retired players. And that's been pretty popular, and it's fun to see guys, and it was only, it's only about a year old, but it's fun to see guys who can still play. These guys are still incredible athletes, and just because you're 38 or 36, it doesn't mean you're really old. It just means you maybe can't fully go in the NBA anymore. But let's take it one step further. I want to see these dudes who are like 60 playing basketball. Now, maybe we can have a division for 30 to 40, 40 to 50, and then 60 and up. That would be awesome. I would love to see three on three, some old dudes, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, going at it. That would be awesome. John Stockton, I think he would be in the 40s and 50s. There's a lot of these guys that seem like they still might be decent athletes, and even if they're not, I think it would be really fun to watch. Now, they wouldn't have to play the full 48-minute games like NBA players play. They wouldn't have to play the full schedule, but I would definitely love to watch Michael Jordan play again. And I think so many people would. We're not expecting the first original Michael Jordan, but imagine if there were just one or two dunks in the game. People would go crazy. People would go absolutely insane. So I think that's really a great idea. I think people would love it. What about for swimming? I th It would be really slow probably, but I, I never really watch real swimming competitions. But if there was some really old dudes having a swimming competition or old ladies or track competition or even biking tour de France, that actually might make it more interesting to me. <laughs> That might make it more unpredictable. You don't even know who's going to faint. Somebody could be way totally in front of everybody else, and they might just pass out. Not that I would ever wish that to happen, but I would just feel like it's it's more exciting and gives more possibilities, and it would be a lot of fun. It would be a fun way to mix up these sports. I always think we can be thinking about ways sports can grow. People love sports because they show people succeeding, and they show people pushing their limits in ways that are really rewarding. And it's sort of just a fun microcosm of the struggles and successes of the human experience. And I think that's what makes sports so fun to watch.
Now, of course, we have got to touch today on the superhuman efforts of one LeBron James. LeBron has been absolutely incredible in the playoffs again this year. Surprise, everyone. Surprise. It's LeBron. And he has sealed his trip for the eighth straight year in a row to the NBA Finals. He is really challenging Michael Jordan in terms of being the best player of all time. He has been to eight finals in a row, which is absolutely incredible. And he really just keeps putting his team on his back in an incredible way. And it's to a point where we've actually gotten so used to LeBron's greatness that we actually don't appreciate him enough. We don't give LeBron enough credit. He's been playing 15 years in the NBA to the age of 33 that he is now. 15 years. And he has really just gotten better and better. LeBron has put his team on his back over and over again and he's absolutely incredible and we just get so used to seeing LeBron dominate that we actually start to take it for granted. Now I'm glad everybody is appreciating this incredible run LeBron has had over his career and especially this year taking the Cavs to the championship once again. It's pretty awesome. Eight straight times in the championship. But I'm hearing a lot of folks out here with the narrative of I can't believe it LeBron's got his worst team ever and he's still going to the championship this might be his worst team ever though I do think some of his early teams in Cleveland were not very good and that was part of the reason he left Cleveland the first time so I think it's an exaggeration to say that this is his worst team ever first of all just because there were some teams where the second best player was Adrunas Elgauskas who would basically score about 11 points a game that you know his main shooter was a gentleman by the name of Booby Gibson okay anyway the point is, LeBron had a lot of not-so-incredible teammates when he was in Cleveland before. So, I think calling this team his worst team ever is a little bit unfair. This team has a lot of talent, and they have been sort of underwhelming, but this team has a lot of talent. What we can't forget here, what we really have to remember, and what is so incredible about LeBron, he has made himself the most powerful player both on the court and off. And he's just such a smart, smart, smart person. He's made investments in different businesses, Beats, Headphones, Blaze Pizza, and he's also been just a huge leader. He has really taken a really strong interest in the players union and making sure he speaks up for other players and negotiates for other players. And that's extremely important. He's been a real leader in the NBA in so many different ways and a real role model to his colleagues. I mean, the, the, the point is, LeBron is the most powerful athlete to have ever lived in terms of controlling who is on his team, who isn't on his team, who his coaches, who plays with him. LeBron is the most pow powerful athlete to have ever lived. So when people say, oh my God, I can't believe LeBron did this with the worst team he's ever had, they have to remember, LeBron gets to kind of pick who's on his team. Let's, I'm not saying LeBron as a player doesn't get credit because LeBron gets so much credit. He's the one who put the team on his back, and I agree with you guys. He did. I love LeBron. I respect LeBron as much as anybody. He's an incredible, incredible athlete. He's an incredible person. He is so smart. People forget just because he's six foot eight or six nine and 275 pounds how incredibly intelligent this man is. To think about this game like chess. He really is on chess, not checkers. He's on another level, like they say, and he thinks about the world like that, his business, his family. He's an incredible guy. Let's not forget when we're talking about all this that LeBron has actually picked basically everybody who's around him on the Cavaliers, right? LeBron already makes $33 million, more, a little more than that, actually. So they don't have a ton, a ton of money to sign a bunch of other guys. And then when he encourages them very, very strongly to, to sign Tristan Thompson, to sign J.R. Smith, to probably more money than they should be getting. That's why you don't have more money to get more guys.
okay? That's why you don't have more money to get more guys. You can't have, I know it's frustrating because the Warriors have a team full of all-stars, but not every team is going to have all, all five all-stars on the team. That's not that's not the way it works in the NBA. And LeBron already does has, have himself and Kevin Love and Kyle Korver's been an all-star in his day. He's got some really other strong, talented players on the team. So I know it's not an incredible, it's not an incredible back, um, not an incredible rotation to support LeBron. It's not Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman like Michael Jordan used to have. And it's definitely not Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green. But let's all remember... LeBron, he didn't like their coach, David Blatt, so now they've got a new coach that he likes, Tyron Lue. He gets to pick a lot of the guys who are on his team. He gets to even pick who plays with him and who plays more during the games. So just remember all of this when we're saying, I can't believe LeBron dragged this team. This is the team he picked, and this is the team LeBron built. And sometimes that's the double-edged sword of when you have so much control on the team, then you can't blame it on your supporting cast anymore when you literally picked your supporting cast. It's kind of hard to blame that. Maybe the lesson is LeBron just needs to focus on balling out on the court like he always does. And I'm not saying he's not focused, but I guess just leave the paying other people and deciding how much money they make and deciding who stays on the team to somebody else. Because even though he's so, so smart at basically everything he does sometimes you just it's your friend right so things get in the way and it's your friend so you want to see your friend get paid you want to see your friend do well but sometimes you don't necessarily have that overarching view for the team as a business like he does with a lot of other business interests he has and a lot of other endeavors in his life and it's okay nobody's you know 100 percent perfect and lebron's pretty damn close he's a pretty incredible person and i'm not trying to this is no disrespect to him, like I said. But let's remember when we talk about, oh my God, I can't believe LeBron dragged this team. This is the team he picked. This is the team he picked for himself, okay? But congratulations to LeBron. You're the boss. Congratulations to the Cleveland Cavaliers scoring the championship once again, four years in a row. single time and that is to acknowledge our mask off performance of the week of course this segment is inspired by none other than future mask on fuck it mask on mask on fuck it mask on this week, the Mask Off Award goes to somebody who has been working a very, very long time to earn this recognition, and that is none other than Nick Young. Nick Young is a member of the Golden State Warriors, and he is on the verge of winning his first championship, and he's participating in his first championship of his career. He just turned 33 last week, so happy birthday to you, Nick. And Nick Young has been one of the most ridiculed NBA players and really athletes of his generation and maybe of all time. Now, when he first came into the league, Nick was ridiculed for being on the Wizards team that sucked. He was ridiculed for making up his own nickname, Swaggy P. This, the P, it's still a little unclear where that comes from because his two initials, Nick Young, there's no P in there, obviously. Then he was ridiculed for goofing around, making viral videos. He did a cinnamon challenge, and everybody said he wasn't serious. He was goofing around. He was not focused on the court. He was focused on 
other things off the court. He was later ridiculed for shooting what he thought was going to be a game-winning shot, turning around to celebrate only to have the shot miss, but he didn't even know because he was too busy celebrating. He was later ridiculed for dating Iggy Azalea. He was later ridiculed when a video taken by one of his teammates at the time, D'Angelo Russell, revealed that he had cheated on Iggy Azalea. So Nick has just been a real punchline and a real punching bag for almost his entire career, but he's just a guy who has a great time and he doesn't really seem to mind. As long as there's a joke, He's happy to be in on it. He's happy to be the butt of it. As long as there's jokes, he's happy. And that's why we love Nick. Nick is our Mask Off Performer of the Week because even though everybody said that with that mentality he would never succeed, now he is at the precipice and he is at the peak of where every basketball player and every athlete wants to go, and that is on the verge of winning a championship. So even though everybody made fun of Nick Young, everybody said he didn't have the right mentality to win, Guess what? He's winning now. And all of his teammates on the Warriors love him. It seems like he really brings a fun vibe to the team, and he keeps everybody loose. And he keeps it real. That's what we love about Nick. That's what we love about Nick is that he keeps it real. So uh, when the Warriors were playing the Houston Rockets in the Western Conference Finals, Nick had a strong performance one game, and he'd actually been playing some really tough defense. Now, Swaggy, or Nick, Nick, he's known as a shooter. He's known he will shoot whenever he gets the ball, he will shoot it. That's what he's known for. He loves shooting threes. But he said he had a very special, supernatural thing happen to him that made him want to focus his efforts on defense. He actually said, this is, this is Nick's real quote. He said, Dennis Rodman came to me in my dream last night, and I was wondering why he came in my dream. He had purple hair, all kinds of stuff. He told me, tomorrow, you're going to play a little defense. And I was like, nah, that's not my game, Dennis Rodman. Why are you in my dream? But it just so happened I played a little defense. First of all, I love his sense of humor about this. I love that he asked Dennis Rodman why he was in his dream. I love that Nick acknowledged his own shortcoming. Nobody would ever accuse him of being a great defender, and he would never claim that upon himself. But he actually did break the mold, break what many people thought was, you know, a limit of his. And he did play really tough defense and and displayed great effort. And the beautiful thing is he used this supernatural experience with having Dennis Rodman visit him in his dream to inspire him to play defense. And that is just beautiful. We love how Nick is keeping it real. Some people might feel uncomfortable sharing their dreams, especially crazy, weird ones like that, with the public, with the media. But Nick is happy about it, and he's got jokes about it too. But it wasn't the end there. Now, after the Warriors defeated the Houston Rockets in Game 7, there was a celebratory press conference with the whole team after the game. They weren't really focused on Nick, obviously, because he was not one of the star players on the team. He's more of a supporting role. But at the very end, they said they they had a question for Nick, and they asked him what it meant after being in the NBA for so long, finally his first chance to win a championship. He told Ernie Johnson, who was interviewing him, that he was killing his vibe because all he really wanted to do was go and party. We love that Nick is keeping it real. He doesn't have the, oh, I love my team. They gave great effort, and I'm proud of him. No, he just kept it real. He said what he was thinking. I want to go party. Can you get that mic out of my face so we can go turn up together? That's really what his mind was on. Then when they asked him 
about winning the Western Conference. He said, yeah, I got my hat and I got my shirt. So that's really what he got out of it. He's got that hat and he's got that shirt forever that's a Western Conference champion. He also didn't forget to thank his teammates. He said, thanks, Steph. Thanks, Clay, for doing this. He didn't pretend like he put the team on his back. He thanked his teammates for giving him the opportunity for this to set him up for this success. And even though people love to make fun of Nick, even though people love to trash him, don't we need more people in the world and in sports who just love having a good time? And even though some people think he's too confident, he obviously has a humble side to him, too. He admits he's not that good on defense. He admits that Steph and Clay and, and Draymond and KD were the ones that really helped carry him to the championship. He can admit his shortcomings, but he also likes to have fun. Everyone should be confident, no matter what they do, no matter who they are. Everybody should be confident in themselves. So let's stop making fun of Nick Young just for being confident in himself, and let's celebrate the joyfulness he brings to his team and to the game of basketball. Thank you, Nick. That's why you're our mascot performer of the week. Thanks again for listening to the I'm Open podcast. You can now follow us on Instagram. All you have to do is type in I'm Open underscore pod. That's I'm Open underscore P-O-D. And you'll find our awesome Instagram page. We'll see you next time. Everybody have a great night. And don't forget to stay open.